Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Welcome back to the channel, and welcome to episode 465 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, where tonight we're going to talk about how ticket sales work in today's world, especially in response to a tweet earlier this week. We talked about it a little bit on the Salty Nerd podcast this morning. If you're able to join us over there this morning, I appreciate y'all for all the love and support. We're just going to be talking about how Barbie, as the number one film of this year currently, and likely will remain so, is really not as impressive when you compare it to other films that have come out over the last uh, several uh, years. In fact, even if you compare it just to the last films of the last 20 plus years, you start to realize, wait a minute, Barbie really doesn't hold quite as much of a candle to those movies. It's still very impressive. Don't get me wrong, still very, very impressive, but it is important for us to provide context. This is one of the reasons why I always talk about adjustment for inflation and also why, of course, I bring up things like ticket sales and we have some some rough metrics to understand and kind of put in the proper place of where this movie ultimately stands compared to many other films to come out over the last 20 plus years or so. Also, we're going to be talking tonight about a new app I just discovered, thanks to the Salty Nerd crew, uh, called Criticless. So it's an app called Criticless. You'll see that it's in the pinned comment on all of the various streaming platforms that we are currently available on. And I'm digging it. It is brand spanking new. I think they may have initially released it in July of just this year. And I'm very much enjoying its its style. It's a it's a specifically a site for movie and TV reviews. And obviously, I know that many of you have heard of and maybe even use sites like uh, Letterboxd, which, again, I also enjoy, especially for keeping track of movies and and things like that. But I honestly think that this system is a lot better, um, and it'll be interesting to see. It's funny because I know that the October sponsor for the Salty Nerds is Criticless, and I just found out about them from their Discord this morning and decided to give it a check. And as soon as I saw the review system and the way it works, I was like, I like this. So um, I haven't really even, con you know, had conversations with anyone involved with Criticless. And so if it sounds like I'm shilling for a company because of a sponsorship, I could tell you just just getting it out of the way. I'm not sponsored by them at all. Uh, obviously, it'd be cool to work with them, but it is just really, really darn good. And I see that uh, Laura, the Modern Major General story, has actually been uh, playing around with it as well. And I think that she's also uh, enjoying it. It's not perfect. It's obviously brand new system. Um, it's a brand new app. It's a brand new uh, movie review a congregation site. But I think that honestly, it could end up becoming a new standard at the very least with with people in, in our space. And I'll kind of go into some of the details as to why I think that is the case. But anyway, before going any further, please make sure you smash that like button. Lap that fire button. Ask you smash the rumble button as well. And let's go ahead and say hello to the people who are in the chat right now so let's go ahead and start off over on odyssey abomination hanging out over there what is going on abomination thank you again for being here today over on the youtube chat we had keely chow here earlier what's going on keely welcome back how are you thor and freya doing baby thor's doing just fine he just went down sorry i was technically maybe a minute late as far as when i typically hit the start streaming button as people uh, continue to file in here, uh, it's because we had ordered we had ordered food well over an hour ago, and it was supposed to have gotten here around six fifteen. And of course, it, we just completely didn't even think about the fact that the place we were ordering from is is a restaurant, and it's a Saturday. And so, ultimately, what that means is that it's incredibly busy. 
And so therefore the food did not get here until about 10 minutes before the stream. And so literally we were getting uh, baby Thor ready for bed. Uh, my, my mom is actually in town now to help us uh, do some prepping for the baby as, uh, as our baby girl is actually set to, um, if things go according to plan and schedule to be born later this week. So this is one of the last streams that I'm going to be able to do, which is why I was very much, Hey, I really need to do this stream because other than tonight and Tuesday, it might be the last streams I do for a little while, because whenever you have a new child, you just never know how things are going to go, what uh, new challenges will, will arise, what new complications will come a part of it. So you never want to say, hey, it's going to be two weeks or it's going to be three weeks. Again, for all I know, it could be less. It could be more. I, I'll have to actually look back because I, I've forgotten right three years ago when baby Thor was born. I forgot exactly how long it took for me to start actually creating any content again. I know that I had pre-recorded some things. And so I think that maybe uh, lessened it a little bit. But I'll have to double check on that just to make uh, just to make sure. But yeah, other than that, though, everyone's doing very, very well. Uh, Lady Freya is also doing well. She's she's at the point, though, where she is. She's ready. <laughs> she she is ready for for baby girl to to be brought into the world. We got Master of Gaming, who's a member on the channel. What's going on, Master of Gaming? We got Bruce in the chat. What's going on, Bruce? Thank you for being here. Ikthulu, who's a member, saying good evening. Odin and all in the chat. What is up, Ikthulu? Welcome back. J.S. Pena in the chat. What is going on, J.S. Pena? Thank you again for being here. Keck44 also hanging out. What's going on? General Wingster, who's a member, saying hello there. And he wants me to say this. <clears throat> hello there, General Wingster. You are a bold one. Yes. Yes, indeed. Forever Sci-Fi, what is going on? Hail to you. Let us see. We've also got a super sticker from Grumkal Tharaka. Thank you, as always, for the very generous super stickers. And I always appreciate the, again, is it wine? Is it supposed to be coffee? I don't know. I honestly don't know. But uh, <laughs> it is a coffee mug of something. Something that seems to be delicious. Thank you for being here. We got Kinkane and Rumshki hanging out over on Rumble. What's going on? Saying between Barbie, Mario, and of course, The Meg 2. Is 2023 your all-time favorite year for movies? Ha! <laughs> oh, Oh, you, you are just so, so funny, Kid Kane Rumsky. You are putting, uh, you're putting the job of, of General Wingster at, at risk with comments like that. Uh, <laughs> obviously, I think that those are not the best films of the year. I've not seen The Meg 2. I have no interest in The Meg 2. Barbie was trash. And Mario, I was not a big fan of either. I thought Mario was, is going to be fun if you are a kid or if you're a, a pretty big fan or maybe there's like a special place in your heart for the Mario characters. But for someone like me, who played the game very casually, who is not the biggest of fans, and also looked at the film as just having a lot of issues because in the way that they presented the characters, the characters themselves became more of the voice actors playing them versus the characters, if that makes any sense, right? For instance, uh, in my review over on Critic Less, I mentioned specifically how the character of Bowser was not Bowser. It was just Jack Black. <laughs> it was Jack Black doing a Bowser impersonation, but ultimately the character just became Jack Black in, in a lot of ways. Um, so no, that would not make it the best film, uh, the best year for film for me, Kincaid and Rumsky. And by the way, I did see your comment the other day about, uh, the stream. So yeah, there was no stream this past Tuesday because I was sick. I'm still very much in that process of recovery. 
Uh, just know if you ever want to be uh, on top of or find out whether or not a stream will get canceled or what the schedule might be on a given day, especially with the things that are coming up, I would say follow me on X slash Twitter. Again, I'm pretty much still just calling it Twitter at this point. Uh, I, I'm on Twitter. Join the Discord server. I always try to post things there and tag everybody on the server. I also post over on Locals, and I make sure that an email notification goes out whenever I post things like that over there. So I give you uh, several different uh, you know, outlets to be able to follow. And of course, I do post on the YouTube community tab as well. There is no Rumble community tab that I can see at this point. So if you follow on any of those platforms, or you have any of those platforms, that would be the way to kind of stay in touch with what's going on. Kimberly G, Killian Shadowcat, what's going on, Kimberly G? Thanks for being a member here on the channel. Always glad to have you here. Gmug76 here. Ambrose Chamberpot is a member. What's going on? We got Gary Banjo Sandwich Worthington. Hail to you. Thank you for being here. Uh, says, UK, hello. Called it on One Piece. Trust my recommendations. Have a wonderful stream. You called it this time. Called it this time. Great Wuda, what's up? Thanks for tagging. Twirly Wolf, what's going on? Twirly Wolf. And Twirly Wolf, thank you for joining and following me over on Cricket. Uh, I want to say, I don't know why I keep saying like Cricket. It's kind of like the, the word I, I want to say. But uh, criticless, criticless. It is a hard name to say. I will say that much for it. Sherry Allen, what is going on? Hail to you. Let's see. Great Wuda is hanging out saying, I want to watch Outlaw Johnny Black. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. You go ahead and do so. Lance Mala, what's going on, brother? Good evening, Odin, everybody. Good evening to you. Laura, the Mata Major General story is also hanging out in the chat as well. Bruce, so will the girl be... Uh, Hella or who? Uh, we don't have a firm uh, YouTube name for her yet. There, there, there's some thoughts, there's some general ideas, but we don't have anything confirmed yet. But of course, as soon as Baby Girl gets here, we will indeed tell you what her YouTube name will be. Because obviously we have Baby Thor, so the question is, do we continue in that theme or do we maybe change it up a little bit? Who knows? Uh, Laura, thanks again for modding tonight. Uh, if everyone's, if everyone's wondering, Orange Hat Reviews said that he would not be available tonight. He's got other things that are going on. Uh, so Laura's going to be here holding down the fort, as it were, saying thanks uh, to that uh, critiqueless app. My notifications are going off like a winning slot machine. Yeah, that is one of the big uh, problems so far with the app. And as I said, it's, it's relatively new. So I, it's something that to me is not the worst of things. And luckily, in any phone, whether it's Android or iPhone, you can turn off notifications for apps. And so that way, only when you open it, will you you know find anything. So that might be something that I actually end up having to do because I've been having some of the same issues. But basically, if you follow anybody, um, you get notified every time that they post a review. And if you uh, and obviously, if you have anyone that will like comment on yours, I, I don't know if likes necessarily will give you a notification right away. But there is no way to control the notifications within the app itself. I did send a recommendation because they do have a, uh, a little tab in the app to be able to submit your feedback and submit any recommendations. And that's one that I that I mentioned. And I assume that they've probably gotten that already a few times. But I'm liking it. I really am. It's, it's really cool. I can't wait to show you all what it looks like. All right. Let's see who else is in the chat. King and Remsky says he's also under the weather. Sorry that you are not feeling well. Abomination over on Odyssey says Thoretta. I don't know about that. Yeah, Thoretta might be a little bit too on on the nose, but we're, we're thinking. We're thinking probably outside the box a little bit. General Wingster, who's a member, says Thor and Denise. Yeah, that would be uh, 
<laughs> two names that clearly go well together. And then Laura says, the best thing about Equalizer 3 was watching Denzel's character being embraced by the townsfolk. It was much better than I expected. Agreed. Again, what makes the movie is Denzel. If you don't have Denzel, it's not that great of a film. Uh, basically, you would have just a very pretty film as far as location and a pretty generic story. But because Denzel's in there and because he's able just to elevate anything that he's in, it makes the film, I think, well worth watching. And it makes the beautiful scenery that you have behind the story that much better and that much uh, more appreciated. And I agree. That was my favorite part of the entire film, too. The entire story about him, uh, you know, finding this town and starting to... Uh, you know, being brought to this town rather and starting to fall in love with with the people and with the culture. And it was just it was very, very cool. I, I liked it a lot. I liked the way that it was it was presented and the way that it was shot and filmed. I think it was also it was just very effective for that reason. All right. So again, thank you all for anyone who's watching. 35 people watching tonight. So again, thank you all for being here. Smash that like button. A lot of fun. Honestly, smash the rumble button as well. And also share the stream with anyone who you think might appreciate it. It would be very uh i would be very appreciative of that so as it mentions in the uh it, i don't know why I'm, I'm struggling on this tonight probably because again last minute jumping on because of food running behind schedule but uh luckily i was able to eat a little bit of my chicken parm before jumping on so that way i'm not completely on an empty stomach for the stream but as you see, the first topic we have tonight is what the modern day box office ticket sales and and how is it that we can look back in history and see, OK, things are pretty good right now as far as, you know, Barbie is concerned. For those that maybe did not follow the kind of the bit, the little bit of the saga that happened on social media, a little bit of a summary. We talked about this earlier on the uh, Salty Nerd podcast as well. But uh, one of the things that uh, that that happened on Twitter was that I had commented or I had retweeted a post by one of the box office reporters. Uh, it's the exhibition uh, report. Let me go ahead and see if I can actually find the direct tweet itself. So that way I'm not misquoting in in any way. And I do want to give credit to them because I do follow them. I do find that most of the information that they provide is pretty good, is, is, is you know, is honestly pretty solid. But yeah, Exhibitor Relations Co. or ERC Box Office on Twitter and so the initial tweet from them that, that kind of got this back and forth started was that they had uh, basically uh, posted, right? They had basically posted nine weeks still in 3000 theaters. Barbie, one of the top 12 highest grossing films ever, will continue in 3000 venues this weekend, having already grossed 621 million domestic, 1.4 billion worldwide. And it's like, okay, well, I'm fine with most of the things that were stated there because it's a statement, statement of fact. What is not an actual statement of fact, though, is that Barbie is the top in the top 12 highest grossing films of all time. As you all know, something that I always very much harp on is inflation, right? You, you can't have these all-time records unless you do some type of, of appeal to and reference to other films from previous years and either the rate of inflation or at the very least, mentioning what the average ticket sales would be, basing the total made by a film, and then dividing that by the average ticket price of that time to find, okay, what would the rough estimate of total tickets sold be? Since we don't actually have a database that keeps track of actual you know, one-to-one -one ratio of individual tickets sold uh, for any given movie at any given time, right? all we get uh, for the United States especially is, is the actual just totals, and we can make you know estimates from that, basically. So... 
you have to at least do that, right? You have to at least do that if you are not going to actually adjust for inflation. And so when, again, mentioning Barbie doing well, I said, hey, before adjusting for inflation, it's impressive, but I mean, come on, right? So you are, you know, your, your name is Exhibitor Relations Co., right? ERC box office. You are all about, you know, covering the numbers. And whenever you cover the numbers, the, the concept behind it is that there's an object, you know, there's objectivity to it, right? That there is an objective standard by which you are following. And so when you've mentioned, for instance, 3,000 theaters, that is a factual statement. It is going to be in over 3,000 theaters. That it is made $621 million domestic. That is a factual statement. $1.40 billion worldwide, factual statement. Top 12 all time, not a factual statement. You actually have to be able to, again, either adjust all films for inflation to give you a better metric of what actually films have made. And again, in today's dollars, what would these films be? Or as I said, the very least, doing some type of adjustment for ticket sales. So again, I, I said before adjusting for inflation, I mean, it's impressive, but but come on. And so the response, the, the comment that was left there, and I actually thought it was pretty funny. The comment left by this channel, by this, by this Twitter handle, was you're adjusted for inflation. Now, Again, I took that in jest. I thought it was funny. I thought it was pretty clever to say that. And it's true, right? I do honestly talk about inflation quite quite a bit, but it's also just a very, very good comeback. And so that's why, in fact, when I... And let me see if I can actually pull this up now. Right? When I actually initially uh, saw that... Let me boost this up a little bit. I immediately was like, okay, that's funny. I'm going to go ahead and and you know kind of support that. So as you can see, I said, well then, right? In response to it and then put the, oh, meme. Because I was like, that's funny. That's actually really, really good. But then, of course, it just kind of went on from there. I was like, okay, well, well then. And uh, again, we, we see, again, I, don't, I think it was on this. I think it was under the original uh, post that the comments continued. But also, too, as you can see, I did get a random comment because someone apparently didn't like the fact that I mentioned inflation and uh, let's just say said some mean words and some pretty bad things uh, messaging me. I didn't know who they were. So, yeah, they, they, they went bye bye. But basically just kind of showcasing that a lot of these people that are obsessed and shilling for Barbie are kind of a little a little bit cuckoo. And so uh, ultimately, though, what happened was this. All right. This is what this is what ultimately happened. So he says, let's discuss. So basically he had mentioned. Uh, how you have to mention, right? Or, or rather, I, I try to make the point to him, right? Saying, look, you got to adjust for inflation some way. And so he said, all right, let's discuss. And that was an honest response uh, with, with what the image he's using here. It's clear he was trying to make some kind of reference to the fact of, oh, well, hey, we got, we got to discuss this. Then Gone with the Wind has to be brought up. And I'm like, yeah, let, let's bring that up. Why, why not talk about Gone with the Wind? It's a fairly accurate statement. What's funny is that in the response to this was, hey, you actually are correct. And I'm like, well, well, thank you for that, for one. But also, you're, you're kind of missing the point. So I said, cool, let's chat. Just as some calculations, and when you look at the biggest films worldwide every year, this was at the time, just going back to 2001, I have since made it go back to 1988, and compare the estimated ticket sales, every single one beats Barbie comfortably, with one exception, Demon Slayer from 2020. For this year, and heck, for the last couple of years, you can say the Barbie is impressive, but top 12 all time, you can sit down now. Now, again, I don't tend to like doing those kinds of statements, especially against someone who I really have nothing against, but it is still, again, something that, that gets me, right? Anytime, and y'all know this about me, anytime people say all-time charts or, you know, this film of all-time record, etc., I'm like, look, you at the very least have to say before you adjust. You, you have to add that caveat because that is the ultimate statement of truth, Right. And so if we actually now go into the chart that I created, 
we'll go kind of get into the methodology of all of these things. All right. So let me see if I can make this just a little bit bigger so that I can see it a bit more comfortably. So here's the way that I have it currently uh, playing out in the actual chart. Okay. Let me see if I can pull that up a little bit for y'all. All right, cool. So for Barbie, right, I have the budget, the estimated budget. These are all as what was reported by the numbers.com. And so I have the estimated budget. I then have the estimated ticket sales and then the average or rather the, the estimated box office totals and going back every other year, right? Every year since this year, of course, I have those numbers adjusted for inflation. So when you do that, you realize very, very quickly that, okay, wait a minute. Not only is the inflationary number quite telling, but even the average ticket sales are also quite telling. So again, these are the number one films from the year that it came out. So for this year, right now, the number one film is Barbie. No one's going to take that away. That is still an impressive feat. It's always impressive to be the number one film of any given year. Right now, if you take the fact that the average ticket price is roughly around $13 uh, nationwide, obviously the ticket prices have gone up quite a bit, especially uh, this past year, last couple of years, uh, especially since you know theaters you know reopened. 107.9 million tickets is what we can estimate right now is is likely going to be the total ticket sales for this movie. Now, again, some people are going to get caught up saying, well, you can't, you know, you, you can't just take all of the money that's been reported and ignore uh, the fact that different countries have different uh, currencies and that the exchange rates can change and all these other things. Look, if you want to create a chart, good luck with this, by the way, if you want to create a chart that goes into individual countries releases and then you find out the exact day that a studio gets the money from that country and you find out the exact exchange rate on that day. The point is, is that when it comes to these movies, right, the, most of the films that we're talking about here are going to be films that are American films, meaning the people that are getting the money are going to be American production companies, which means they're getting the money in dollars. All right. It's how we're reporting it. It's how it's being reported. It's how also most of them are going to be getting the money in the long run. So to me, that makes the point kind of moot because it's all going to be based off of dollars pretty much anyway, right? And so you could then say, well, you know, the average ticket price in the United States might be this amount of money, but worldwide it might not. Again, if you want to go into all of those things, you go right ahead and do so. I think ultimately, though, because we're treating all these films in the same exact way, it still gives us a very good metric and a good understanding of where these films ultimately stand historically. So Barbie had 107 million tickets sold. Again, that's pretty good. And it's still selling a lot of tickets, right? That's still very impressive. Compare that, though, to last year's number one film, which was Avatar The Way of Water. Now, remember, that film did come out December of one year going into the next year. So we're talking here again about, uh, you know, the year it was released. All right, because that's that's the year that it's going to get credit for. So for that film, and again, this shows you how much of a juggernaut this movie was. 221 million tickets is the average that we could look at for that film. And again, back then in 2022, just last year, average ticket price was roughly around $10.45. What's even more impressive to me, though, is actually Spider-Man No Way Home. Remember that Spider-Man? This was a movie that came out the week after. The shills in the media had already made all of the excuses in the world as to why a film like West Side Story flopped. Right. They said, well, you know, people are still not going to theaters because of COVID and all these other things. And then what happened? Spider-Man No Way Ho had had one of the biggest opening weekends and it ended up making two point two billion dollars when you adjust. All right. Two point two billion dollars. That is very, very impressive. 
And then you look at the estimated ticket sales, that's around 183 million tickets. It's even more impressive because if you look at that number and you compare that going back to 2012, again, the Avengers, all right, 2012's the Avengers, you're looking at an average ticket sale of 190 million. So the fact that Spider-Man No Way Home in the midst of COVID, right, had 183 million tickets sold and that the first Avengers film and how big and how massive that was, 190 million tickets sold, that's not too far off. That is, again, very, very impressive to look at that number there. It also, Spider-Man No Way Home, beats the likes of the Harry Potter Deathly Hallows Part 2, so the last of the Harry Potter films. It beats Toy Story 3 in the ticket sales. Of course, it doesn't beat Avatar. And again, even more impressive than Avatar 2 is this one, 389 million tickets. I think this also is a great example about why I said that, yeah, Avatar is still making money, but look at how much audience has been lost, right? 389 million tickets versus 221. All right, that, that's over 100 million tickets difference between the first and second Avatar movies. But also keep this in mind, and this is the reason why I think both ticket sales and adjustment for inflation are both good metrics because, as I just mentioned, about over 100 million ticket difference, 2.5 versus $4.2 billion adjusted, hey, that's the reason why there are similarities you can see between them, right? But again, if you keep going back, right, if you keep going back, in fact, I did miss one other film. Uh, so going back to 2000, actually, no, that's because this was an added film, right? So my initial list only had going back to 2000. So uh, 2001, rather. So if you go all the way back to Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone from 2001, guess what? That that 100 million, that 107 million tickets does not really look all that impressive, right? All of these other films that go back all the way to 2001 comfortably are beating it as far as the actual ticket sales are concerned. Now, again, this film can obviously still make more money, but it is now on, uh, you know, premium on demand, right? It's now on demand. And so therefore, because of that, it means that the number of tickets that it could possibly make is going to be rather limited, right? I decided to expand this chart a little bit more, a little bit more though, and go past 2000, 2001 rather. And so then you start to see, okay, it has beaten Mission Impossible 2. So the worst of the Mission Impossible films, uh, by the way, funny, funny story here. In 2000, apparently, according to uh, the numbers, at least, it was the number one film. It was the number one film of 2000. That makes sense because the first film was was very good. It did very well. And there was a lot of hype around it. But interesting. The other interesting factor here, too, is anytime you hear anyone say anything about, oh, but the film made a billion dollars and that's just that's just so rare. Okay. That's only if you don't adjust for inflation. Look at all these films, by the way. So with one exception, if you go back to 1999, the number one film of every year made over a billion dollars in today's money, in, in today's metrics. Uh, and again, that's Star Wars 1, The Phantom Menace there at 1999 with, again, $1.9 billion with over 200 million tickets sold. So Barbie, again, looks impressive on paper, right? But even though we look at this number and say, look, there's no way it's going to get to 221. So it's not going to get anywhere close to Avatar. And there's not any way chance it's going to get close to even Spider-Man No Way Home. So a film that came out in the midst of the pandemic, right? 183, that's already very, very impressive for that movie. And as I said, 107 for Barbie is impressive because Lord knows I didn't think it was going to do much of anything, let alone this. But again, this kind of goes back to that main point, which was number, you know, top 12 all grossing, you know, top t- top 12 all time highest grossing movie. Nope. 
not when you actually look at the actual ticket sales, not when you actually adjust for inflation. It it starts to drop down. You're, you're probably talking about a movie that's not even going to be in the top 100 if you actually start to adjust these numbers and start to actually you know compare apples to apples here, right? So the only other film that it beats, right? Go going back to 2000, it beats Mission Impossible 2. Then after that, it only is going to then beat. Let's see, it has a chance of beating Armageddon from 98, maybe. Uh, let's see, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Apparently that was the top film in 95. That's interesting. 84 million tickets there, so it's already beaten that one. Uh, 83 million tickets for Aladdin, 1992. Okay, that seems pretty impressive, though it doesn't get anywhere close to Jurassic Parks or The Lion King. Uh, those are the original animated films. And it does beat, hey, guess what? It does beat Rain Man. But again, kind of going back to the whole billion dollar stuff. Well, guess what? <laughs> Rain Man, when you adjust for inflation, actually made a billion dollars. Interesting stuff there. So anyway, all this is to say, and the moral of the story is this, all right? Ticket sales for this movie are impressive. Barbie has done very, very well, and it's continuing to do very, very well. And I've already said, I think it even has a chance of being able to beat Top Gun Maverick from last year. But historically, when you put this film in context, not only adjustment for inflation, but also very importantly, with estimated ticket sales, this movie, though impressive for this year, the last few years, is not really much of anything in comparison to the decades and decades of film history and of box office history that is so very important to be able to understand this topic more fully. But anyway, that is the ticket sale discussion today. What say you? All right, let's head back into the chat. Let's see, Kinkane Rumsky over on Rumble says, only ticket sales matter. But again, ticket sales are a very important metric, but adjustment for inflation is important too, right? As I just pointed out, one thing that the adjustment for inflation tells us is that a billion dollars is actually, as far as the value that we have attached to a billion dollars, is actually not all that impressive when you actually understand, oh, wait a minute, if you had any of these movies and you had the same value given to them as you have to uh, the dollar today, all of them reach a billion with just, again, one exception. And for those that wonder what the exception was that I keep mentioning, that's 2020. So that's the COVID year, like the pure COVID year. And it was the uh, it was the uh, Mugen Train. It was the Mugen Train film. And that film, uh, with a budget of $18 million, had a 53 million uh, tickets sold and about almost $600 million worldwide um, as far as its total sales. Now, again, that's, again, that is going to be one where you have the best argument to say, well, then you look at the exchange rates because the vast majority of that money is coming from Japan. But, but, oh, man, it is hard to argue any of the points that have been made by some of these people. Let's see. Abomination over on Odyssey says, what? You mean that a movie today, which made $1.4 billion, might not actually beat movies that made like $200 million at a time when someone could buy a house for like $1,000? And Ripple's White Hollywood learned the wrong lesson. Yeah, again, that, that's again a, a very important factor. And some people have tried to make the argument that, well, that makes it even more impressive because movie tickets are so expensive now. And it's like, you're, you're kind of missing the general point, which is less people are going to see these movies. So as I said, it's impressive for this year. It's the number one movie. That, that's no matter what film you are, if you're the number one film of a given year worldwide, that's going to be impressive no matter how you spin it. But when you start to talk and bring in all time rankings and you start to try to say, well, it's so impressive that it's the 12th film ever to make this amount, like the, the, the 12th highest ever to get to this. amount. It's like, wait a minute. 
that's not really fair to these other films that existed at a time when you, you really didn't have those kinds of metrics, when you didn't really have the value or really the lack of value in, in today's dollar. So it's an unfair advantage. That's why I, I provide both. That's why I provide both the adjustment for inflation, uh, total box office, and what the likely estimated ticket sales would have also been. So again, right now, I'm only going back to 1988. I might go back further as, as the days go by, but... We'll have to wait and see. Let's see. Laura says, enjoying the app the creator has reached out to. Yeah, I mean, uh, the creator on there is great. And again, this is talking about the Critic List app, which we'll be talking about in a little bit. But uh, it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. And yeah, one of the first persons to respond to me actually was the creator. So he's very hands-on, which I think is awesome. He is very focused on improving the app and on hearing what any of the users have to say. And I think the fact that he is interacting uh, with the various uh, creators on there and just, again, with the general people using it, you don't have to be an actual content creator to be able to use the app. He's also reaching out just, again, regular people, which I think is awesome. It's a very, very cool app. General Waster says, general, uh, sorry, it says chicken veal parm is excellent. I, I like chicken parm. I mean, look, you all know I'm obviously a meat eater. I, I'm not, I'm like one of the furthest things that you can kind of get from uh <laughs> from being a vegan. The one thing I don't do is veal. And I, I will I will be honest with you. It actually all stems from, I didn't know what veal was. I was a very picky eater for most of my life. But then South Park did an episode on veal. And they showed these, just animated, but they animated baby cows, not walking. And it was one of the saddest things I've ever seen. And ever since then, I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to try veal. That's terrible. That's awful. So I'm not trying to, you know, put down anybody that does enjoy veal, but that's why I will never touch it. It's because I just, I think it's, again, I'm one of the furthest things from being one of those people, but I just can't, can't do it. Let's see. General Wingster. Hello, Mr. Horse. What's going on, Wingster? Uh, Mr. Roy, what's going on? Roy says, hello from work. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. Always great to have you here. Let's see. Sherry Allen, time to say, M, good. Been a quiet week. Hope everything goes well for baby girl and Lady Freya this week. Thank you. Appreciate that. Cthulhu, how is Barbie the highest grossing when just eight months ago, Avatar 2 was at $2 billion? So again, the reason why is because of release years. So because Avatar came out during a specific year, it means any movie it makes after that, even if it's going into another year, is still a part of its run, which all started from its release date. And so for Avatar, that would make it 2022. And for Barbie, it would make it 2023. So that's the reason why you, you have it working that way. Yeah, it's, it gets a little bit more confusing when you jump into uh, December numbers. What's interesting is that the numbers, the site, the numbers, has a, uh, has a chart on there that will tell you what their average you know, ticket sales or what their estimated ticket sales for a given year could be for certain movies. But it gets tricky because if you have a December release, you'll see, oh, this movie is ranked number one, number two uh, for, for this year. But then for the next year, you go to the chart for the following year and you'll find it's still on that chart because that is when it actually separates it out into it made it sold these many tickets this year, sold these many tickets this year. But yeah, we, we were talking here about, you know, highest grossing film of the year on official charting. That's always going to be uh, the year that it actually got an official release. <laughs> Let's see. General Winkster says, Odin's inflated with so much ice cream these days. 
yeah, I can't really hit that note comfortably right now. So uh, thanks, Wingster, for that. Your Average Patriot Nerd says, Hail, hail to you, Average Patriot Nerd. Thank you for being here today. Appreciate it. Let's see. Master of Gaming, how well do you think Expendables 4 will do in China since it's released there this week? I don't really know how well Expendables does as a franchise in China. I, I don't think Expendables 4 is going to be a big moneymaker, personally. I know a lot of people, especially in our community, have shown some interest and excitement for it, especially if you're fans of the previous movies. I'm not. I thought the first one was fun, and everything after that has just been kind of too silly to to really care about. So I think it's going to do okay, but something tells me that its budget is probably going to be, especially with all the actors in it, higher than it has any right to be, and I think that's ultimately what's going to lead to some some problems for it box office-wise. Sahil, what's going on? Sahil says, isn't the domestic gross a uh, more apply a more apples apples comparison to the foreign market, especially South America and Asia has grown exponentially, especially over the last decade. But I guess that's the other problem too, or that's the other, that's the other reason why it's important to make the worldwide comparison because the fact that you have movies, right? Because that has that other level, right? The fact that you have movies that came out all these years ago, Right before these massive expansions, but even more importantly, before the international box office became as prevalent in these countries, but even beyond those countries, actually, right? So even before China became a major powerhouse uh, in the box office to certain extents. Again, there's a huge caveat that because of how much China takes. So it's it's again that fool's gold mentality, really. But that's why it's even more impressive because if you look at a movie like, for instance. Uh, Star Wars The Phantom Menace in 1999 and then you compare that to a film like Avatar and you look at just how many theaters would have been available in those other markets uh, in those European markets in uh, the you know the non North American markets it just makes those ticket sales even that much more impressive so yes I do think that that could serve a I think that could benefit I think that might be if if I was going to add any columns to my chart it would be the 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 domestic it would actually be two. It would be the domestic total adjusted for inflation, only the domestic total, and then that the estimated ticket sales. Because I do think that you're right. I do think that that would actually provide an interesting metric there. But I guess the, the reason justification as to why I think almost a better uh, use case would be comparing it, again, all the same, not taking anything out of it, is that it actually just makes it that much more impressive. Especially when you look at some of the budgets too, because there's some films where you realize that in today's dollars... They spent a crap ton of money. Like, for instance, Titanic, right? $386 million in today's money. Armageddon, $266 million in, in today's money. You look at a film like Harry Potter, Goblet of Fire, $238 million. Uh, here's a crazy one. Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End from 2007, $450 million in today's dollars. That's more than the first Avatar movie. That's crazy. Now, again, that's based off of what was reported. Uh, and this these were all budgets that were received from the numbers.com. So obviously, if there's any errors in that data, I'm more than willing to, to try to address those. But it's still interesting to look at those numbers in the ways that they're currently being pushed. Great Wuda, today is Batman Day. I heard that. And again, I am not a huge comic person, so I don't understand all references. So why is today specifically comic? Uh, Batman Day, I would love to know. I love learning things. Dan Crane's been a member for 16 months. Thank you for being here. Kimberly G 
says, so was that guy saying Gone with the Wind beat everything? I would think it would be, uh, I think it would be Wizard of Oz. Yeah, so basically, whenever you talk about inflation, one of the prime arguments, and I, I, I want to say that really with, with quotes, that anyone who's defending the Barbie is in the top 12 or any other film from a given year where they're like, well, this is a top film. The only ar- the argument that the number one argument that we'll bring up is well if you were to take the Gone with the Wind box office and adjust that that made billions of dollars in today's uh, understanding and sold so many more tickets it's like yeah that's the point that's kind of the point of it right is to say if we're gonna have a actual legitimate chart you either have to do one of two things I mentioned this previous times and I- I'm sorry for repeating myself here but you have to either say let's take the amount of money it made in the original run, by the way, that's also another key factor you always have to remember, only in its initial release. So from the year it got released, not sub- any subsequent releases. But from its initial release, you take that money and then you say, okay, how much in today's dollars with the value that we have today would that be? Because then you're taking all the films, taking the value that they have and then saying, what would that be according to today's metric? That is, again, a way in which you show, okay, here is the value today. There's an equality there. So when you see a $500 million number and then you compare that to a $100 million number, you're like, okay, this one clearly has more value. And then that's one thing to do. The other thing you can do, and again, I know some people prefer this one versus the one that I mentioned with inflation, is then to say, okay, well, let's take the average ticket price for that time and then put that into what was reported at the time. And then we can get an understanding of how many tickets were actually sold. And when you keep in mind that at that time, you're looking at, what, 25 cent to 50 cent tickets? Uh, Yeah, you you start to realize just how many people total saw a film like Gone with the Wind. But again, that's kind of the point. If we're talking about records here, right? If we're talking about records, if we're talking about record charts, you you have to have something to make it it equal. You have to have something that is able to to make it as equal of the comparison as possible. Now, obviously, again, ticket sales are going to be on, on paper that one of the better metrics, but I do think that there is still room to argue and to at least mention the adjustment for inflation numbers too. General Wingster says more veal for me then. Ah, how dare you? Let's see. Does this dress, does this dress make my ass look big? Thank you for the $5 super chat donation. Oh man. Says here, Hey, Odin, Barbie is $17 in my area. $2 more than most other movies that are out. Some movies start at 15, some at 17, but drop to 15 at week two. Uh, I'm trying to see. Yeah, so there's no question attached to that. Yeah, so every every single state, city, um, market is how we would describe it. Every market in the United States and across the world has their own uh, prices, right? Ha- has their own metrics. And not only do you have national inflation, you could really argue that because of the spending, especially in major cities, and the need to subsidize that major spending leads to, again, the inflation of uh, of the cost of everything in that, that area. That's the reason why you will have it, where you have these massive increases over the national average. But still, you have to also recognize that the reason why it's, again, the average ticket price is 13 is because whereas it's 17 and 15 in your area... There are some areas where it's going to be closer to 10 or, or even less than 10. And so b- because of that, you have to take that into account. So if you wanted to get into the weeds in it, you could say, okay, well, what was the average ticket price for this weekend? Because let's say it's opening weekend and it's a movie that sold the vast majority of its tickets in IMAX and 3D, etc. Okay, well, then its average ticket price is going to be technically higher. So that would mean less tickets sold 
uh, in comparison to to the value if you were just to look at average ticket price. But that's why, as I said, this is the only way to really keep it as fair as possible is to say, okay, no, let's just take the average ticket price for every given year, what the value of that price would be in any given year. And then that way we have, again, that sense of equality there. Let's see. Forever Sci-Fi says the three pack of beef I would buy for $12.99 in 2020 now goes for $17.99. It actually is impressive that more movies haven't hit a billion dollars nowadays. But again, I think that also kind of brings into that same thing where you bring into account ticket sales because there are overall a lot less people going to see movies, right? So one of the things that Deadline has brought up a lot, for instance, is, well, if you compare the summer box office numbers from this year and last year, the numbers are up. Um, you know, and so you're like, well, wait a minute here. Hold the phone. Yes, but remember that last year, and again, the metrics that I've used is based off of what was reported last year. If you look at the average ticket price, it was roughly around $10.45 or so, right? And obviously, if you look at the year comparison, so right now, right, the charting that I use um, for the average ticket price for this year, I have it set at 13. Now, by the end of the year, we'll have a much better understanding because obviously the ticket prices can change over time. But right now, most people would say around $13 sounds about right. For last year, it's listed as $10.45. The year before that at $10.40. Year before that at $9.40. Year before that at $9.16. Then $9.11, So just going back to 2016 to kind of show you just how big of a jump that is. So we're talking about a jump from $8.65 to, uh, to $8.97. So again, talking about there about $0.30 cents increase. From 897 to 911, again, you're talking there about, uh, you know, actually 15 to 20 cent increase. From 911 to 916, a five cent increase. That's from 2018 to 2019. So very small increase there. 2019 to 2020, uh, you then see it go from, let's see, $9.16 to 941. So again, 20 ish. But then what do you see from 2020 to 2021? It goes from 941 average ticket price to 1041 or 1040 roughly. So whereas in previous years, right, going back to 2016 at least, and you could probably find this goes a lot further than that, you're seeing increases of like 20% roughly, right? 20%, 30%, right? 20 cents, 30 cents here and there. Uh, 5% one year where it was just like 5 cents. You're seeing a whole dollar increase between 2020 and 2021, right? So what we're seeing from all of this then is, again, Ticket price is increasing, but also then when you compare the average ticket prices and the sales, a lot less people going too, right? Because Barbie on paper is the second lowest film. Again, we're just talking here about the highest grossing films of a given year, all right? The highest grossing films of a given year. Of that list going all the way back to 2001, so 22 years worth of data, Barbie is second to last as far as average uh, ticket sales, estimated ticket sales. The only film it beats back going back to 2001 is the 2020 film of Demon Slayer Mujin Train, which again, 2020 COVID year, that's an anime film. So a lot of reasons as to why that would be on paper having to be the lowest, uh, you know, the lowest number one movie of, of that year specifically, right? So again, Barbie, it's still a number one film. That's impressive. That's good. That's an objectively good thing to be the number one movie, but context is always very key there. It's also the second lowest. So it's showing us that less people are going to see movies uh, than what they used to do. 
And for anyone that says, well, yeah, because of COVID, I say nay, nay, because remember Spider-Man No Way Home, which was still there in the midst of it when all the fear mongering was still going on at pretty high levels. That film had 183 million tickets sold. So, and that's right up there with what you saw from very strong performances. This is another film I mentioned on Twitter, actually, just to give you a frame of reference, right? We would argue, I think, that Lord of the Rings Return of the King was a massive movie, right? I think all of us would agree with that, right? So uh, why is it then that when we, you know, when we look to a film like Return of the King from 2003, 185 million tickets. Spider-Man No Way Home, 183 million tickets. That's how impressive No Way Home. And then you add to that the whole COVID stuff, it makes it even more impressive. By the way, Cthulhu, thank you very much for catching my mistake. You are absolutely correct. I stand corrected. I am a human and I make mistakes, Cthulhu. You're right. Cough, 0.05 of $10 is 0.5% math cough. Yes, I know. I know. I, I apologize. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry, okay? You're right. It's funny how how much math I talk about, and yet math is not my subject. <laughs> uh, it's my least favorite subject. Dan Crane, thanks for being a member, says, Hail Odin and the family of Odin. Looking forward to the newest family member. Praying for you and your wife's health in the coming days. I appreciate that very much. You are awesome. And again, thank you for being a member for 16 months. Very impressive. Let's see. Ambrose Chamberpot says, I'm also an anti-veal carnivore. Yep, right there with you. Justin C., what is going on? Welcome. Dan Crane, liver and onions. Mm, yeah, no. I'm very much like like Doug from the show Doug. Uh, only for him, he eventually like eats it and likes it. No, not me. Whoever Sci-Fi says, don't like veal. Even lions know that fresh out of the package is best. Oh, that's sick. You're sick forever, Sci-Fi. You are sick. Forever, uh, KK and Rumsky over on Rumble says, wait a sec, assuming time allows, are you planning to watch Expend Expendables? No, I'm not. I would really rather not watch it. And I believe it's coming out in the midst of baby girl uh, being born, or at the very least, not long after. So yeah, I, I don't know what my last movie theater experience will be um, for, for a little while. I, I'm going to have to figure it out because it'll have to be this week. It'll have to be sometime this week. And I don't, I don't know which one it would be. I was hoping it would be Dumb Money, but Dumb Money is not coming out in any serious way for, for a little bit. So, uh, Gabby Rios 59, what's going on? Welcome back over on Rumble. Getting a comment or question, just put at Odin, the very big comment, at Odin. Let's you know that you're trying to get my attention. Let's see. Your average rated nerd says, food delicious is generally my motto. Yes, I understand that completely. Michael A., what's up? Master of Gaming, I heard great things about Dumb Money. It looks great. It looks like a lot of fun, so I'm looking forward to it for sure. Michael A. says, is there a formal breakdown of box office receipts based on formats, IMAX 3D regular? So there are some. Uh, there are some. But basically, in order to find out the actual complete numbers, you would have to have reports of how many IMAX tickets were sold, how many 3D tickets were sold, and we just don't have that. We don't have that data. We have um, things like, this was the number one movie in IMAX for a given year. Uh, or rather, for for this weekend, we have we have data like that. We might even have a uh, we might even have a metric of this film has made a uh, million dollars through IMAX, right? Because IMAX might report that data. Sometimes Deadline will mention that, but to say that we we don't have access though directly to um, every individual ticket sale, 
it'd be great if we did. But ultimately, it comes down to the fact that we don't have a centralized system. And that's a good thing, I would say, because I, I personally don't like having, you know, nationalized or, you know, uh, nationwide standards that everyone has to follow, even if they're not very good. So, uh, again, I kind of understand that. But at the same time, the part of me is like, man, I wish that we had one company through which all theaters had to sell their tickets because then we would actually be able to say, hey, let's go to this one company and see, oh, how many actual ticket sales actually went through? How many went through with the actual, you know, system and everything? But but sadly, that that is not the case. And so all we can do then is is actual estimates. Uh, and we try to guess to the very best of our abilities. Grumco Tharaka says, Lord of the Rings Extended Editions are be are back in cinemas for limited showings here in the UK. Uh, and more older films are being shown. That's awesome, Grumco. Well, thank you for that super chat, and thank you for letting me know. I mean, obviously, I'm not in the UK, so I can't do much with that, but uh, that's awesome. So for anyone else that's in, in the UK, according to Grumco, they are um, Lord of the Rings Extended Editions are back in cinemas for a limited time. Hope that you enjoy them. They are great movies. Uh, there was indeed uh, Cthulhu <laughs> saying, cough, 0. 0.05 and $10 is, point, is, is 0. 0.05%, uh, 0.5% rather, math, cough. Can we get a meme? Yes, absolutely you can. Because of that, just just for you. All right, just for you. We absolutely can can add that in there. Uh, so the, the, uh, for Cthulhu, this, this is for your comment, man. Time to see a real mathematician at work. Just, just for you, just for you, math. Absolutely, we got that math meme. Let's see. Forever Sci-Fi says, due to inflation, Odin's next bet with Jeremy will have to be for a movie to reach 1.5 billion. Yeah, I think someone had mentioned. Um, maybe it was even Abomination, but it was somebody. I feel either on Rumble or or Odyssey who said, "Hey, you should argue that." You didn't actually lose because if you adjust for inflation, uh, the movie didn't actually reach a billion dollars or something to that effect. I was like, oh, that's brilliant, but no, cl- clearly I can't, I can't go that that route. <laughs> uh, let's see, BMG, what's up? Fish Okay, Lee, thanks for tagging, saying math can't be everyone's topic. No, it cannot. No, it cannot. Uh, Dean Heiss, uh, member for thirty nine months, legend there, citizen of Asgard. What's up? Frank G says, ahoy, what's going on? Justin C, is Gary going to force you to see the Marvels for FNT? Uh, yes, I, I believe he will. And by that time, I, I will not have the newborn excuse to, to miss it, I think. Sadly, sadly. Uh, Dan Crane then says, well, how about sausage and sauerkraut? A sausage, sure. Uh, Italian, uh, I have to be very careful with my words here. Uh, so uh, Italian, like uh, barbecued Italian uh, sausage, delightful, delicious. But uh, other than that, I, I tend to kind of stay away from it. <laughs> I can be very careful with my words. Oh, uh, with, with, with you people. I love y'all. Y'all are great. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I feel I hope you enjoyed that. Let's see. Dean Heiss, thanks for the explanation here. The first Batman Day was in July 2014 to coincide with San Diego Comic-Con. Since then, it's been on the third Saturday in September to commemorate first appearance of Batman in Detective Comics 1939. Ah, okay. Gotcha. Nice. That's very cool. That's very, very cool. All right. So we'll go ahead then and talk about our, our second comment tonight. Uh, comment topic tonight. 
And that is a new app. So again, I got to get a huge shout out to the the Salty Nerd Podcast crew because it was through them posting this on their Discord about this this new app, this new site, and how they're working with them. And it's a new movie and television review site, and I really dig it. I I think that the theme is is very very impressive, and so we'll go ahead and talk about that tonight because I I just think it's cool. So just again for full disclosure, I'm not being sponsored by Critic Less. Um, the only interaction that I have had with any of the owners or people behind the scenes is helping me get verified over there, which is an application that anyone can file. Um, I would love to work with them in the future, but as of right now, I, I am not, I am not, but I am just a really big fan of what they are doing. So this is critic less. So uh, anyone wondering again, this is a movie and television review site, and it is meant to be a free speech alternative to sites like Letterboxd. So for those that don't know, Letterboxd is a site that I have also used and am still using uh, because one of the things I do like about Letterboxd versus this site is Letterboxd allows you to log your movies. So you get to say, hey, on this specific day, I actually saw this film. So it's nice to have that calendar feature that's built into Letterboxd, and I like that a lot. One of the issues, though, is that there have been some reviews that have been censored on Letterboxd. And if you've ever gone through any of the reviews and any of the comments uh, under those reviews for, for a lot of films, like especially if you were to look to reviews for Barbie or reviews for anything that would be seen as like controversial, you'll notice that it's a very elitist site. There are a lot of left-wing ideology personalities uh, that seem to dominate that platform, essentially. It's not universal. There's a lot of good people that are on there too. Again, I, I still use it myself. But it is still very noticeable, right? If you know what you're looking for, you're like, okay, there's something wrong with that, right? And there have been reviews that have been removed. There have been comments that have been removed because of so-called violations of, you know, hate speech, etc. when it's clearly not. But uh, this site is meant to be, and again, it's, it's a lot more than that, right? But it is uh, in part supposed to be an alternative to Letterboxd because it also allows you to be able to uh, review films on a you know a five star system, but what they've done is that they've done something very interesting with it, and that's they've given it a a retro vibe, and I'm really digging this this retro vibe quite quite a bit. So as you can see, these are the trending. This is the trending feed right now. So it's a, still a very new app, which is why I'm actually in the trending feed, but it's all based in movies and TV. That's one difference is that whereas Letterbox doesn't really have a dedicated television. Uh, you know, portion. This you have both movies and television. So right now, as you can see, I've got a review for the menu up right now. I've also got one up for Kubo and the Two Strings. And then Laura, shout out to Laura, who has been using this app today as well. She's also on this trending page for her review of A Haunting in Venice. She was a quite a big fan of the film. I also was able to do one for Zootopia. Uh, Laura did one for Oppenheimer, of which she, again, didn't think was was as that great. I'm very much in agreement with her. And then you have someone else on here. Let's see. Gyps, uh, Gyps Switch is, I think, the name there, giving a review of the, te of the television show Severance. So it's a very, very cool platform in that way. So you have this trending tab. And so that's, again, new reviews that are, you know, uh, getting some traction either in their comments or in their likes. And again, it's still not not perfect, but it's it's again very interesting. And then you have a following tab, and so this is where anyone that you are following uh, is posting stuff. So, in fact, you just saw a notification pop up for this, uh, so slipping into the void. 
who is a part of this community, is uh, just posted their review for the film Coco, a film that I quite like a lot. So you can you know like that. You can dislike it. There's a dislike button, people. There's a dislike button. You can share it. You can uh, save it as well. You have a, a bookmarks bar, so you can bookmark reviews if you want to save them or if you want to kind of go back to that. And so, again, it's, it's really, really cool. So here is my actual... Uh, profile itself. I have 26 reviews out right now, 12 followers. I'm following four. There's also this section. And again, this is how it's, it's meant to be a lot more fun with the different themes. So they have a section called friends with benefits. Uh, so obviously means a lot more than, than what the typical understanding would be. But essentially it is, let's say that you have a lot of people whose reviews you trust or whose taste that you trust. You would then put them into your friends with benefits uh, uh, section. And then if you were to find and look for a, re- a movie, right? If you were to say, I want to see the reviews of what this movie is. You would go to that page. And then what you would see is the audience score. So just anyone using the app, anyone using the site, what their reviews are in, in one section. But then you would also see if your friends have actually reviewed it, your friends with benefits score. <laughs> and again, it sounds terrible when you say it out loud. But what it does is basically show you, hey, whereas the audience might have loved a movie, anyone in your Friends with Benefits who had seen it, you'd say, wait a minute, they weren't as big of a fan. Okay, these are the people that I actually trust. These are the people that I actually have a lot of confidence in, and they're saying this, and it seems to be disagreement with the general populace. I like that because, in a way, you're almost curating right, people based off of taste. That's a very unique feature. Right? It's a very unique feature that I don't really know of other sites that, that actually have that. There's other fun interactive things. So you get badges if you if you do things. So I got a badge, 10 things I hate about you. Uh, the 100. Uh, shake and bake. I got I got a, a, a badge for that. You can create list. So right now I've got my want to see list, my top films of all time list. There's groups. So this all your podcast, they have a group. And then on any individual page, you can see all reviews. You can see just movie reviews, TV reviews. And just to give you an understanding again of just how cool this is. Let me go ahead and bring you into my... Uh, Let's see. Let me uh, find a different review here for one that I know I spent a lot of time on because there's a lot of things you can dial in. And I really like the fact that you can be very specific with certain things. Let's go into, uh, you know what? Let's go into my review of Barbie. We mentioned that one already, right? So I gave this uh, a heinous review. So as you can see from that, uh, you can do certain things. So let me edit my review real quick. So here is what was really cool. This is what I really, really like. So again, this is something that's very unique to this site. It's very retro. So if you want to rate a film, it's essentially a five-star rating. However, the different tiers that they have is a five-star rating would be most excellent. Love that. And you actually have a slider here. So you can dial in exactly where you think it falls, right? So if you think it's an 8.5, 85%, right? Um, so that's a five-star review. It's most excellent. Four stars is a rad film. Okay. I like that a lot. Rad. If it's okay, guess what? Decent. I just like how it doesn't give you a star rating. It's instead turn the stars into what I think are pretty accurate representations of what the scores actually mean, right? So a three-star rating means it's a decent movie, right? And then you can, again, change change where it is there. Now, if it's not a decent film, it's not a very good film, you would say it's a bogus film. Again, I'm loving the Bill and Ted references here, right? With the most excellent film being the top score, second lowest score being a bogus film, with the worst score being a heinous, a heinous rating. So that's what I decided on Barbie. I was like, okay, I think a 19%, you know, it's not the most heinous thing I've ever seen, but it's, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. But here's the other thing that you can do, all right? And it's different on the app a little bit, but the same functionality is actually there, right? So here's the thing it says, give the people some more insight into the themes of this movie. So you can then... 
if you want to. It's optional. You don't have to. But you can then say, is there any graphic language? So you can dial in and say, hey, there is a lot of graphic language in the movie. You can then say, all right, there's a little, there's a bit of it in there. There's a bit more. There's a lot. And then not only can you put a rating, you can then explain, hey, here's when it happens. If you want to go into detail, you can give specifics. Or you can give just a general statement of, yeah, there's a couple of moments in the film where some language is used. Same thing with violence, uh, nudity and sexual content. You can you can dial that in. Political bias. Now, this is, I think, one of my favorite parts of the site is that you know how there is the woke or not site that I think is really good as far as an independent reviewer that just runs things on their own? I think it's really nice to have. But it's, nice also, it's also nice to have this because let's say you have a bunch of people who are putting out ratings. When you see the general rating for a movie, you'll actually get the general consensus. And so if the general consensus is, hey, this seems to be a right-leaning movie, this seems to be a left-leaning movie, this seems to be a non-political movie, you'll be able to tell, right? Especially as more users are using this, you'll be able to, to, to add those things in. So as you can see, right, for this film, I said it's a very left movie. It is a very, very left political movie. And then you also have the option to put whether it's family-friendly or not. So in addition to that, of course, you could put your own actual rating and your own actual score. So just to kind of show you again what this would ultimately look like here. So let me go ahead and exit out of that and uh, just pull up the Barbie film itself, right? So the audience, the overall score out of 11 people who have voted, the overall average is that it's a decent film from 11 votes. Again, that sounds pretty pretty standard to me as far as what most things have been about it, right? And so I think that that is really, really awesome. Also, here's the themes. For language, it says the overall consensus that there's a bit of language, not a really whole lot of violence, a bit more as far as nudity or sexuality is concerned. Obviously, there's no nudity necessarily, uh, but there is some sexual content in the film, of course, with implications and, and comments and stuff like that. Political bias, they're labeling it as slightly left, so at least it's being, you know, honest there, and that it's not very family-friendly. It's only slightly family-friendly. So again, it's not perfect, and the more people that are actually putting in honest reviews the more accurate that these numbers will ultimately become. So again, for 11 people voting on that, I think that sounds uh, pretty, pretty accurate. So again, it's really, really cool in how you can rate the film. And it's a very unique way of, of rating. You can also dial in more specifics to the films themselves, which I think is also great. And remember too, for this movie, right? I don't have, notice I have the audience and I have my score. But let's say I were to go into a other film here just to show you the whole like, you know, quote unquote friends with benefits uh, thing, just to show you what that would look like on a film. So let's say that I had some friends on here or people that I trust. Again, if I follow some people and I put them in my friends with benefits, it just means that, hey, I trust these people a little bit more on a movie. So let's go to the menu, for instance. What you'll see here, right, is my score. I gave that a 92%. I thought it was an excellent film. Notice I have one person who I've listed as a trusted reviewer in this. It's an FWB. So friends with benefits, how it's listed on this site, they voted it as a hundred percent. And then the general audience, three people have voted on it is around 89%, right? So you can see how this could be useful, right? Because let's say the audience score ended up being, you know, maybe just a couple of people or sorry, let's say the audience score was around 50%, Right. But then I'm looking at this and I haven't rated it yet, but I have friends who have seen it or people that I trust that have seen it. I would say, wait, the audience, the general audience is saying that it's a terrible movie, but wait a minute, the person that I trust is actually saying it's 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 pretty good. So, okay, now, now I've got a little bit more context, right? Whereas in the olden days you had Rotten Tomatoes and there was 
not really trust with the system, but a bit more trust than before they started to you know delete reviews and, and all that nonsense, right? And change their entire system. Now you actually have a site where if enough people can start to get onto it, and again, it is a new platform, so it is very much still in those growing stages. But I think for what it is right now, it has a lot of stuff going for it. Also, look for the menu. It tells you, hey, here's where you can watch the movie. So it also tells you where you get access. There's also an app. Uh, there's an app on, uh, on both Apple and I believe also on Android as well. And uh, it's, again, I think it's really, really cool. And again, I'm this is not a paid segment. I'm not sponsored by them. I If I ever become sponsored by them, that'd be awesome. That'd be really cool. But uh, yeah, the only issue, as I said, the biggest issue I have with it is notifications. Um, you will get a lot of notifications if you follow a lot of people. Now, you can obviously change that if you just turn off your notifications. Then you'll only know if you enter into the app itself, which I think some people probably prefer. I know I have that for Twitter. I have my notifications turned off completely for Twitter. It's only when I enter in that I find out what's been going on because it's something that could be very distracting. I'll probably end up doing that for this app too after I've gotten used to it a bit. Um, but it's been really, really cool. So, uh, uh, yeah, that, that is right now that's critic less. And so I'll, I might be creating some, some groups there in, in a bit, but I think it's awesome. I think it's really cool. It's a really cool concept. Let's see, Kikane Rumsky over on Rumble says critic list, possible future competitors to Rotten Tomatoes. I hope it's still a far away from that. It doesn't have as much, it doesn't have nearly the user base for it. Let's just be realistic with that. Right. But as far as the, what it's offering and as far as the, the methodology behind it, I think in a lot of ways it could be better. The fact that you can dial in specific scores for, is it family friendly? What is the politics of the movie? If there is any, right? So there's a none option for that too. Um, what's the language like? To me, this is a great resource also just for families, right? Um, and again, the more people that jump on it, and even more so, if people you trust are on it, that what makes it better. Because let's say... You trust somebody a lot. You trust their reviews. You trust them to be able to be honest with you about certain elements and things. Let's say there's a film that you're just not quite sure about. You can go in and say, hey, what did they say about this? You know, you know, hey, because I, I ever got this question a lot for Oppenheimer. I had someone, uh, one person at the very least, who said they wanted to see it, that their son was very much obsessed with history, but they felt like they were a little bit too young for, for Oppenheimer. And they asked if it was, you know, if, if I thought that was like family friendly or at the very least friendly enough for, for a kid. And I said, no, I don't think it would be appropriate for them because of the nudity scenes and, and because of that of the sexual content, which is sad because it's such a small part of the movie, but it's still there and it's still inappropriate. Well, if you went to my review on here, you would say, oh, here it says specifically, no, it, he does not think that it is for families. And I would specify what age what age I would think, you know, it's it's preferable to. So this is something, again, I'm still learning. I'm obviously going to start to to dial in and and be a lot more specific with those specific ratings because I think it's I think it is important to have that, but I think it's great. I think that's awesome. And again, the fact that it will tell you um, the the scores in the way, right? Where it's like, okay, what's the general consensus on Coco? It's most excellent. Cool. And again, there's only been one review for that because this is brand new. The other thing too is I've I've been the first reviewer on several big movies because it's so new, and so it's cool to be like the first person on a new site that's that's just starting up to uh, to review something. Uh, but again, for for the menu, you would say, "Hey, general consensus is that it's it's a most excellent movie." Again, imagine now you got a lot more people using it who maybe didn't like the movie, and then you start to get a little bit more balance. I think that's I think it's really cool. I think it's really great. All right, let's see. Over on Odyssey, Abomination says, "Looks like this is a strong competitor to IMDb with all these tools." I agree because I know IMDb also has um, has a has a bit more. Uh, data that you can enter in for certain things. 
But IMDb, a big problem with IMDb, it's not a free speech platform. I, I remember I tried putting my review for Barbie on there, and they rejected it twice. So my review for Barbie was never allowed to be posted because it was deemed as being offensive. But again, that's why I think Criticalist is is really something that, again, as long as they remain dedicated and passionate to the vision of, of the project, I think it could be a, I think it could become a very viable competitor. And the fact that I know that, uh, you know, for instance, Salty Nerd Podcast, that they are, uh, you know, they're promoting this, that they are also going to be in uh, promotion with them for October. To me, it just, again, it's great that, that so many of us are going to be able to start putting eyeballs onto this because the, the more that they grow, the bigger that they will be able to become, the more features they'll be able to add, the more they'll be able to clean up certain things. I like it. And uh, yeah, that, that actually, you know, Gunner, thank you for mentioning that in the live chat. Yeah, I do. So that is one issue. I don't know if they figured out that uh, the solution yet, but one of the things also in trying to make sure that there's not a lot of bots and trolling is they do have a verification system. So to sign up for it, I think that all you need to do is provide a phone number to to verify your personality and things like that. Then obviously you have to go a little bit further. Actually, no, to be a content creator, you have to go through a little bit more than that. Uh, but for the sign site, you need to provide a phone number. And so, yeah, I don't know if they have international uh, phone number support yet. But again, this is why I'm talking about it because maybe because of just mentioning it or maybe just because of any level support that we can give to it, they'll start to add that. And then those that want to support it and want to join who are not um, North American uh, or American audiences can can do it. I think it's cool. Uh, let's see. Abomination over on Aussie said, yeah, I said if you adjust for inflation from the moment you made that bet six months ago prior, it didn't cross a billion, but it did do that three days. Uh, yeah, that's true. Abomination. That's true. <laughs> I thought I thought it was you. I thought it was you. It was you all along. It was you all along. All right, let's see. General Wingster, I love Odin. Meat quotes is true. <sighs> Thulu says, I'm not sure if I'm alone here, but sausage is best when made with caraway seeds. I think I think that's the, yeah, I think that the Italian sausage typically, is that what tip, Italian sausage typically has inside of it? Master of Gaming, who is a member, says, Odin, do you think the Marvels and Hunger Games Ballad Song of Bird, uh, song, Songbirds and Snakes will make a billion dollars because of uh, Doom Part 2 got delayed? Do the strikes, both movies get IMAX screens. No, uh, I don't. Um, because with the Marvels, I think that you look to the fact that no film from the Marvels has made a billion dollars this the past couple years. The, the closest was Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. That got to 950 after a huge opening and then a massive drop. I think that we're going to see a massive drop for Marvels. The question is how big the opening is. I don't think it's going to be big. The marketing has not been very good. And then for Hunger Games... Look, I think that franchise is pretty much done. I think that a lot of people are going to kind of look at it and say, yeah, this seems like a cash grab and no thank you. So maybe it goes the route of Divergent for all for all we know. But I don't think a billion dollars is necessarily going to be on the table. Just because you have IMAX does not mean much of anything uh, in general. So again, IMAX helps, but it doesn't do everything. See, so Magic Gaming says, I've seen some left-wing personalities on Letterboxd. Um, yeah. There's a lot of them. There is a lot of them on there. John W78. Uh, thank you for being a member for eight months at the Keep of the Bifrost level, brother. Thanks for the thumbs up as well. Ken Gunner, welcome back to the chat. Let's see. SSS says, so they get money by selling your phone number. 
Well, there's no, there's no evidence of said, of that at all. S S S S S S E D. So, again, I myself have no idea. I'm gonna be honest. As I said, I don't work for them. I'm not sponsored by them, but they very well could be doing that. But not to my knowledge. <laughs> Uh, not to my knowledge. They well. Here's the thing. It is a uh, it is a premium. There is a uh, a premium feature, so you can pay for a subscription to get access to certain things. So there is um, most of the generic features though are completely free. Um, and again, one of the reasons why I am looking at this is I am a content creator on here, so I don't know if that means that I have no ads um, on it, or also because I have ad blocker listed. So again, I don't know. Just because, again, SSSD, I understand what you're trying to say. If the products are free, you are the product. Again, unless you can prove that, it's just a nice statement to say. King Rumsky says, probably I will just use it to read ratings reviews, but I won't be uh, be making any. Yeah, again, King Rumsky. Again, I'm not trying to say you have to go on there or anything like that. I just, I just think it's cool. And so I'm just telling people, hey, I think it's cool. <laughs> Uh, abomination. Don't you tell me to smile. Exactly. General Wingster. Uh, oh, and I found a great new website. I think it's called MySpace. Wow. Thanks, brother. Marco Esquandoles. What's up? Yeah. And I understand that completely. I respect that. You know, if you don't want to join because of that, hey, no problem at all. Not going to push you over there. Gunner says, good news. You can verify your critic list account with the website and then use the app. Okay. Well, hey, there you go. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, because I joined using the 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 app. I joined through the app specifically. So it sounds like there might be a different metric. Okay, for uh, for international SMS. Nice. Okay, cool. So they just haven't added in uh, domestic support yet. Yeah, if I start getting a lot of random spam that I'm not already getting, I will let you all know. Because <laughs> I guess that's the issue is that so many things require our number these days. It's it's like it's like well how will I even know if if the spam that I'm getting is from this place or from this place or from that place like and again look that's why I respect anybody who wants to be very cautious with where they put their phone number and where they put stuff like that totally get it totally get it totally respect it but then I also have to mention it's like do you honestly think that no one already has access to that information and to that data it's an honest question. Um, and so that's why I, I look at it. So like, unless you are someone that's, you're completely off the map, you are using a VPN or something similar to it, you know, for everything. Uh, let's see. King and Rumsky says, probably I will just use, oh, sorry, I got that one already. I already got that already. Uh, SSD says, I ordered a cheap SIM card from Tello for sites that require a number. Hey, well, there you go. And again, I, I respect that. I respect that. And I know that they, uh, and again, obviously it's a major corporation, so it's probably not the same thing, but I know that Google at one point in time had Google voice and you could get like a free number through them. I'm sure that there's other online versions you can get, but again, probably not as secure as getting an actual like cheap, uh, as you mentioned, a cheap SIM card from, from a company like that. So Amber Shaverpot says, I usually submit a five, five, five number. (laughs) But then again, if you're if it's a site specifically where you have to, so again with this one, it's it's to verify. 
uh, just to make sure that you're, you're a real person. So basically, it's one way of trying to limit. And again, that's the other thing, too, is that while I understand the the concept of, well, they're just selling your data, it's like, but you have to also remember there is the practical thing of it also, though, uh, is a lot, it's going to prevent a lot of bots and a lot of spam uh, to be able to really come onto the platform because it's a barrier, as it were, right? It's a, it's a barrier in order to create a, a process by which you have just one extra step to take in order to actually get access, right? You can't just instantly sign up and get automatic access. So again, totally understand why anyone would still not want to share um, number for verification or anything like that. But at the same time too, I do understand it from a practical standpoint from, from their side of it as well. Google numbers aren't accepted for most things anymore, says... says yeah, again, I I said I even did not know for sure. Katie Robinson says, one huge problem with the critic, uh, critic list, MIG2 has a 34% audience score. Yeah, maybe, maybe this will also be the way that you can finally realize that the MIG2 is not as good as you think. As good as you think. In fact, let me go ahead. I'll, let me pull that up right now. Uh, King and Rumsch, because you brought it up. Yeah. Not only is the audience score bogus, the two friends that are on my list of people that I trust, it's at a 45%. So your best case scenario in the list that I have is, uh, is, is decent at best. But more likely just a bogus film. It's bogus, brother. Get over it. It's bogus. Hey, at least, at least... It's not at a one star, right? At least it's not the lowest. At least it's not a heinous movie. It's better for you to like a bogus movie than to like a heinous movie. All right. I sort of think that it would just be fun if that became, imagine, you know, you know how in today's lexicon in, in movie conversations, right? You say, well, that's certified fresh from Rotten Tomatoes or it's got a 95% of Rotten Tomatoes. And again, I know not everyone does that, but it'd be cool to live in a world where it's like, oh yeah, yeah. What, what, what was the score? Oh yeah. It's, it's bogus. Oh yeah. It's, it's rad. It's most excellent. I don't know. I like that. I think that is fun. <laughs> That's just me. <laughs> Let's see. Abomination says, but only 9,999 numbers can start with 555. How many people live in LA? Hey, that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> Mike Jasson, what's up? General Wingster, statement of the day from Odin. Eat meat every day, especially feels delicious. Have a good night, everybody. Yeah, sure, General Wingster. Sure. All right. I am hungry. As I said, uh, the stream started right when my food got here because of delays. So I was not able to, to eat my dinner. So I'm very, very hungry. Um, so with that, I'm going to go ahead and just end things a little bit early tonight. So just as a reminder that uh, this Tuesday will be the last Welcome to Asgard podcast for a little while. All right. So this Tuesday be a big night in that it'll be the last uh, free night I'll have. Uh, obviously, if 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 wifey goes into labor, if the lady Frey goes into labor prior to this coming Friday, then I will let you all know as quickly as I possibly can. Uh, but obviously, it becomes a little bit more complicated when things are actually happening. But as of right now, things are planned for baby girl to get here on Friday. Uh, so, you know, induction schedule kind of thing. So because of that, it means that I had my last Friday night tights for a while this past Friday, yesterday, and this will be my, tonight's my second to last of the Welcome to Asgard podcast. So I'll have one more stream this Tuesday. So, so come, come on in this Tuesday. We'll, we'll see if anything has happened with critic lists, give an update on that, because again, I do think it's really cool. But uh, also, of course, we'll, we'll do our, our last bit of a talk and conversation about the box office. That also means that tomorrow's box office update will be probably the last update for at least a couple of weeks. We'll have to wait and see how things how things go. 
And, uh, and yeah, thank you all for joining tonight. It's been a ton of fun, even though I'm still feeling a little sick. Uh, it's been great having conversations with y'all. And I'm going to go ahead and eat some food. So let's go ahead and say goodbye to the people. King and Rumshki, what's up, dude? Uh, as, uh, thank you very much for the congratulations. I appreciate it. It says, have a hold until Saturday so that it will be elite. <laughs> We don't, we, we don't do that or at least I I don't take I, I don't take that uh, uh you know very seriously the uh what's it called the uh star chart stuff not not my thing not not really my thing um for me it's actually more about feast because as, as a Catholic um the chances are that she will my daughter will be born on uh Friday which will be an ember day actually it'll be an ember Friday. I imagine I, I will get uh, to be able to be exempt from, uh, from again, it's, it was a choice now anyway because of the change of, of canon law, but still, it would be the feast also of St. Thomas of Villanova, so I think that's pretty cool. Um, however, if it takes longer, and I doubt it will because this is our second, then it would be on Ember Saturday, which would be the feast of St. Linus. Now, if, if things just happen so quickly that we don't even get into Friday, then it would be on Thursday the 21st, in which case it would be the Feast of St. Matthew the Apostle. So, either way, got some got some fun things going on there, but uh, obviously, the most important thing to me is that healthy, happy baby and healthy, happy wife. So, again, thank you for all the kind words over over there. Uh, Star charts, are you some kind of space explorer, says Abomination? Exactly. You know me too, too well. Uh, Mike Jackson, enjoy your meal. Be ready for your new daughter. Absolutely, man. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. You are nerd. So it's the Bill and Ted scoring system. Excellent. It's so good. It's so good. Right? It's so much fun. Uh, you are Patriot nerd. Congrats on the new baby on the way. Thank you very much for our sci-fi. Good night. Thank you for the new. Uh, thank you for the show. And always glad to hear your thoughts and chat. Hey, always glad to hear your thoughts too. Thanks for the correction earlier. Uh, Just spending. Besides that money, I also want to see the creator. Although I'm worried it might not be all that. Well, hey. One person I will absolutely recommend on the Criticless site is our own Laura, the Modern Major General story. She uh, is able to she she probably sees a lot more modern films than I do on occasion. Uh, <laughs> for instance, she she has already seen the latest of the Agatha Christie adaptations of the Poirot films, and she is is very much a fan. I I trust her opinion on a lot of things. She she is typically someone that I go to when it comes to to movie opinions. So. While I am unable to give scores for different films, hey, maybe, maybe she'll be able to see the film and she would be someone that I would, I would, uh, I would recommend, uh, trusting, trusting her opinion on. So I know I'll be looking out for her review, uh, especially since I have a very high chance of not getting to see it before, uh, before baby girl gets here. But, uh, with all that being said, check out the pinned comment. If you want to follow me over on critic lesson again, if you don't want to join because of the, the phone number, I totally get it. Totally understand. But uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And I, I like its free speech nature and a lot of the different uh, features that it has. But I'm going to probably spend some of the night uh, adding some more reviews and scores and such and just having a lot more fun with this new and cool platform. So anyway, thank you again for all the love and all for the comments. If I was not able to highlight them, seriously, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your very uh, kind words and uh, and for all your well wishes as well. Uh, so again, you guys are amazing. Astrology, that was the word I was looking for, King Aramski. Thank you. So with all that being said, you guys are all amazing and beautiful people. I am hungry. Uh, I knew my outro would almost bring us to the end of the show because that's just how I talk. 
Uh, but you're all amazing, beautiful people. Have a wonderful rest of your evening and your weekend. See you all on Tuesday for the last show for a bit. And as always, God bless.